the message that, that God um, laid on, on my heart is uh, to try to conclude the book of James. And there's just so many nuggets in here that I feel like this morning I'm not even going to do justice to. And it's, it's fascinating because it's almost as if when I start preparing a series, it's like God actually takes me through it first before I'm able to preach it. And so this, um, this message this morning, we're going to be addressing the issue of prayer. Um, I found myself the other night uh, out on my deck, and it was, uh, Melissa was upstairs sleeping, and so you don't know anything about this. So she was upstairs uh, sleeping, and it was, uh, you know, the stars, it was just a beautiful night, just a beautiful night. I could see the stars and, and uh, you know, the, the, all the lights in the skies and in the sky, and, and I just began to pray. I found myself just praying, praying for uh, a personal need in, in my own life, you know, asking God to do something through me and in me. And, and I found myself praying um, a certain way. You know, it, it was as if I was, I was pleading and I was, I was, um, I was wrestling and I was, I was fighting. I was uh, intense with, with God. And I looked down, and my dog was wagging his little tail while I was praying. And I thought, that's interesting. So maybe he knows what I'm praying. I don't know. But, um, but I found that, you know, in this time, that there was, there was a great release in me. And I'm not trying to spiritualize things, but it just seemed like there was, there was a great release that, that God actually was listening to my prayer. And so this morning, as we try to conclude the book of James... I think about the, the struggles and the hardships that these Christians were going through. Matter of fact, James, he's, he's writing his epistle, as you know, to those persecuted believers who were doing their best. They were doing their best to endure under trials and under tribulations. They were trying their hardest to find the joy of the Lord to be their strength. There was some serious hostility going on. They, they were suffering they were suffering bodily injury. Some of them were, 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 were being beaten and persecuted, even to the point of death. They were suffering physical wounds, all kinds of wounds. They were crushed mentally, emotionally, and their spirits were sorrowful. Many of them felt like turning their back on Christianity because they were going through so many hard things. In their lives, they were devastated. They were weak. These believers, they were weary. They felt defeated. They felt like they just simply wanted to give up. Have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever gone through so much in your life where you just felt like quitting? You felt like just giving up? Like, like the pressure of life and of your circumstances is just too difficult. For you to handle. You you ever felt like that before? Well, this is how these Christians felt. They were discouraged in their faith. And so James, he begins to address this issue. He begins to address this issue. As I'm sure many of them who were like us wanted to complain. Many of them who wanted to blame someone else. Many of them who probably wanted to say, God, why did you put me in this situation? James addresses this issue, and he addresses this issue with the issue of prayer. He starts out in verse 13 and 14. He says, if anyone among you is suffering, 
He's addressing the issue of those Christians who were suffering. But he's also addressing the issues of those who were finding victory. He says, if any of you are suffering, let him pray. But he says, if any one among, among you is cheerful, he says, let him sing psalms. The power of prayer. Prayer is powerful. So many times we just take it for granted. And the Bible tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. We should always be praying. Prayer. Prayer is simply to talk to God. That's all it is. It's talking and listening to what God has to say through his word. The impressions that he gives to each and every one of us through the power of the Holy Spirit that is confirmed through the word of God. It's communicating our human soul with the Lord who created us, who created our soul. You know, it's fascinating because there's all kinds of prayers and prayer can be done audibly. It can, it can be done, we can be silent, we can do prayer public in, in formal or informal situations, but all of our prayers must be offered by faith. They must be offered by faith and total reliance and dependence on God. That's what James 1.6 tells us. It tells us also that our prayers should be offered in the name of the Lord, that we are seeking him, the creator, the king, the ruler of all things. So that our prayers should also be offered and energized by the power of God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit. I love what the prophet Joel says. He says, when my soul fainted, in Joel chapter 2, when my soul fainted, he says, what did I do? He says, I remember the Lord. In other words, when he was discouraged and when he was frustrated, when he had come to the end of his self, when Jonah had come to the end of his self, he said, I, he says, I remembered the Lord. And, I, and my prayers went up to who? My prayers went up to God. He says, went into his holy temple and the God of all wonders. He gave him grace and he delivered him from his struggles and from his trials. He offered up his prayer unto the Lord. James says, if anyone... Anyone among you, any among us Christians, any folks who call upon the name of the Lord, if you are suffering, well, what does he mean by suffering? He means to endure hardship. He says, if any of you are enduring some hardship in your life, if any of you are in trouble in your life, if any of you are afflicted this morning, then don't complain about it but call and pray to God. James has some advice also for those who were cheerful. He says, if you are cheerful, if you are happy in spirit, if you are strong in your mind, if you have the joy of the Lord, then sing. Because singing is really just another form of prayer. He's saying, when your life is going or not going the way that it ought to be, when you feel weary and you feel like giving up, when the circumstances around you don't seem favorable, when your enemy is out to persecute you and kill you and destroy you, when people are mistreating you and saying all kinds of wrong things about you, when you are struggling financially and you just don't know what to do, 
What about these children that we're trying to raise and we just need some help? What do we do? James says, don't complain about it. Just get on your knees and pray. This is a pretty good preaching, folks. I don't know about you, but I'm making myself happy this morning. James says, pray. In other words, he had already told him some things before, and he says, never forget these words in James 1.4. It says, God's desire, or he desires for us to be complete. That's why we should pray. God's always generous, and we can approach God according to James 1.5. God is the source of our life, and he's the source of every good gift, according to James 1.17. God gives grace to the humble, and he's always available when we need him. James chapter 5, verse 8. God is nearer than the very trials that we are going through. So let us remember these words and let us always come to God in prayer. I like this song. I don't know if you remember this song. But the song says, what a friend. Do you know that song? What, what a friend. Aren't you thankful that you have a friend? It may not be many people out in the world, but at least you have one friend that you can count on. And his name is Jesus. He says, what a friend that we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. To carry what? Everything. All of our burdens. Every struggle, no matter what it is. To carry them how? To God in prayer. Amen? He goes on and he says this in verse 14 through 16. He says, if anyone among you is sick, he says, anyone, if there's anyone among you who's sick, he says, let him call for the elders of the church. He says, then let them do what? Let them pray. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. He says, and what? The prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord himself will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he says, he will be forgiven. But then he says this. He says, you must confess. He says, confess your trespasses to one another. And pray. For one another. Why? That you might be healed. He says the effective, fervent prayer of who? Of a righteous man. Availeth much. The prayer of faith. He says we all live in a fallen world. All around us things are falling apart. Life is not getting any better. I don't know if you've realized that or not. All you have to do is turn on the news and you can see all kinds of things that are happening around the world. I mean, look at our own little community here. Travel to Seattle and go downtown and see some of the things that are happening there. The world is not getting better. I mean, look at our political arena, which we're not going to go into today. But take a look at it and you can see that the world itself is not getting better. All of us get tripped up at one point or another. We stumble. We fall. None of us are perfect. We all get tripped up in some sort of sin. 
It might be with your neighbor or the person who you were driving with next to or just a thought that you had in your mind. But every last one of us sitting in this room, we all get tripped up with some sort of sin. All of us get physically sick, each and every one of us. If you find a perfect person, a person who can go through this life without getting sick, please let me know because I want to know exactly what they're doing because I don't want to get sick. All of us, at times, we struggle in our spiritual life. Every last one of us. All of us are burdened, and sometimes these burdens are are too heavy for us to carry. When this happens, if you are Christian, a part of the church, God has set up a structure. He has set up a plan, and his plan is this, that you and I can go to the elders of the church. Why the elders? They're just men, but this is God's plan for his church. The elders are the overseers of the church They have been appointed and equipped by God to watch and give care over you and to pray for your spiritual health. Matter of fact, Galatians 6.1 says, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, those who are spiritual should restore him. To restore him in meekness. But then he says something that they should anoint with oil. Anoint with oil. You say, what, what is this? Anoint with oil. Oil was used in the Bible for many different purposes. Prophets and priests and kings were anointed with oil. They were set apart for the work of the Lord. Matthew chapter 6, 17 says that when you do fasting and pray, praying, that you should anoint yourself with oil. Matter of fact, Mark chapter 16 says that they were casting out evil spirits and they were healing the sick and they were anointing people with oil. But here's the thing. Let's not venerate oil. There's nothing supernatural about oil. Oil was used for all sorts of different purposes. Let us just simply obey what God has told us to do and let us pray. Matter of fact, if you read this Bible, it says the prayer of faith. It doesn't say the oil healed anyway, but it says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. It's the prayer of faith. So then we ask the question, what is the prayer of faith? It's faith in Christ. It's in his character. It's in his purpose. It's in his power. It's faith in the Lord and the Lord alone. He is the only one who can heal, deliver, rescue, and restore. God saves. He heals. He restores anyone he pleases to. He can save those who are brokenhearted. He can save those who are in pain. He can save those who have committed sin and he can forgive them and he can raise them up or restore them and make them whole. I'm so glad that when we came to Christ that Christ made us a brand new creation. The old has passed away and everything has become new. God himself is the God who saves and he is the God who restores Matter of fact, God is the Savior. He is the the one who came to save. Matter of fact, Luke 19, uh, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. Aren't you glad that when you were lost that Christ found you? Aren't you glad that when you were out doing your own thing and getting involved in your own stuff that Christ came down from heaven and he reached down and he touched you and he saved you? Why? Because he is a God who saves. Thank God that we have a God who saves. Am I making sense this morning? So then what's our part? 
Our part is to pray. Our part is to pray, he says, and to confess our sins. That's our part. He says to one another so that we may be saved, rescued, healed, or restored. But confession must be with discretion. Because you don't just confess all of your stuff to just anyone. You don't want all your business all over the streets. But you confess your sins to those who are spiritual. You confess your sins to those who you have sinned against. And ultimately, guess what? You confess your sins to God and to God alone. But most people don't like to confess. Most people don't like to be called out. Most people, they don't like their their stuff to be exposed. They don't like to admit I'm wrong. They don't like to be honest with themselves. They don't like to come clean. They will put up all kinds of defense mechanisms to hide their shame and their guilt and their sin. They will push back and they will blame others. They will make all kinds of excuses and they will even pretend that it never happened. But if we are to be made whole, we must let go of our pride and control and humble ourselves before God and confess and we must pray for one another. There's something about prayer. There's power in prayer. As a matter of fact, James says the effectual, fervent prayer. What is he saying? He's saying prayer with intensity. He's saying prayer that is with power. He's saying prayer that has some emotion and some passion and some conviction behind it. He says this type of prayer is what God seeks He says, and this prayer comes from a person who is righteous, a righteous one, one who stands in the righteousness of God, who is covered with Jesus, not in his own righteousness, but in the righteousness that God has given him, one whose life is open before God, one who knows the power of God, one who knows the authority, and that his answer comes from God and God alone. He says, his prayers are made effective by God. He says, these prayers are dynamic and they are tremendous. They are powerful. And these types of prayers, they can accomplish much. He says, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Elijah, he was just a man. There was nothing special about Elijah. He was a man of natural likeness, just like you and me. But Elijah prayed. And the Bible says that he prayed what? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And the Bible says that it didn't rain in the land for three years and six months. It said, but then again, Elijah prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah was just a man. He says, a man just like you and me. He was Elijah the Tishabite who was from the inhabitant of Gilead. And he told King Ahab, at the Lord's word, or at my word, there will not be any rain until I give you my word. It's fascinating because when it was time for God to answer his prayer, Elijah brought King Ahab and all of his people together. And he told his servant, he says, I want you to go out and I want you to see if rain is coming. It's fascinating, this story, because the Bible says that Elijah sent his servant out and he looked and he came back to the prophet and he said, I don't see anything. 
You see, Elijah could have easily given in to his situation, right? And he could have let his circumstance dictate and determine whether or not he was going to continue to pray. Because he didn't see any rain. But Elijah knew the word of the living God. So what did he do? He persisted and he sent his servant out again. Now this is the second time. And his servant goes out and he looks and he comes back and he says, I still can't see any rain. His servant could have said, this man is crazy. He's, he's fooling himself. Elijah could have said, well, maybe I miss God. But no, Elijah said, go look again. And this is the third time. So his servant goes out and he looks again and he comes back with the same word. You see, this is why we can't depend on man's word, but we got to put our hope and trust in God's word. So he sent him out again. And the fourth time he goes out and he looks and he comes back with the second word, well, with, with the word again that there's no rain. Elijah had that man go out seven times, but guess what? On the seventh time he came back and guess what he said? I see the cloud the size of a man's fist. I see the cloud the size of a man's fist. And that's all Elijah needed because suddenly the rain came. What was the difference? Elijah persisted. He never gave up on God because he knew the word of God and the rain was coming. But you might say to yourself, well, that's the prophet of God. That's Elijah. I mean, he's a prophet like all the other prophets. I mean, God did tremendous things through him. But did you hear what the word said? The word said this, that Elijah was no different than you and than me. He was just a man. Hallelujah. Elijah didn't give up. Elijah, he continued to pray. Elijah continued to trust God. He continued to wait on God. And God answered his prayer. Sometimes when we read these great miraculous accounts in the Bible, we tend to lift up the man and we tend to exalt the man and we tend to forget the person who's behind the man. We tend to forget that it's God himself who's working through and in that individual to work powerfully to accomplish God's purpose and God's will. Guess what? If God can do it then, then I believe he can do it again today. And I believe he can do it through you and through me. If we continue to trust in God through the power of prayer. You see, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, the difference between Elijah and many Christians today is that Elijah knew who was performing the miracles. He knew the power he had behind him. He knew the one who he put his hope and his trust in. He knew that it was God and God alone who answers prayer. So the question is this. What are you believing for this morning? Are you sick in your body? Are you suffering this morning? Are there some things that you have going on in your life? The answer still remains the same. He's a God who can answer prayer. Don't give up. Don't quit. The effective, fervent, powerful prayer that wrestles with God like Jacob did availeth much. Would you pray with me?
Father, I thank you so much for these few words in the book of James. And as we look at the struggles that these Christians were going through, for many of us, we're going through some struggles, some hardships, but the word is still the same. Your word says that you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, if you can do it then, then you can do it again today. And it may not be right now, but when you answer our prayer, (laughs) it'll be at the right time. May we never waver. May we never give up. And may we never quit in the battle or in the struggle. But may we continue to press and press on until we receive what you have promised to us. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus.